Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and we're right here 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Biden's border crisis is an embarrassment to the United States. Trump has spoken about it. Vice President Harris has laughed about it. And now you and I are about to talk about it. So Biden right now, he is uh, planning on spending not 1.9, not 2.9, but $3 trillion in infrastructure, climate, and welfare. Call me crazy. But when you have last week's big news, or at least 10 days ago, the big news being Biden pushes $1.9 trillion through Senate, checks go out. Biggest in American history. And then 10 days later, Biden plans $3 trillion in infrastructure, climate and welfare bill. Is this the making of the new American oligarchy? Is this the making of the new American socialism? Hmm. Why would I say such a thing? Now, everybody's saying, oh, we're getting this, we're getting that. I don't believe that Biden is a Xi Jinping type of communist. I do believe Joe Biden is weak. And if they said, listen, man, come on, man, come on, man, a little infrastructure don't hurt nobody. Right. This gets all his union buddies. He's, listen, union guys here. You want some shovel ready jobs? I'll get you some shovel ready jobs. I'll get you get your bridges to build. You want to build bridges? Now, again, this is from a guy who when questions something that he doesn't like. He'll say something like, if you don't know if you're for Trump or for me, then you ain't black. Or he'll also say, well, have, have you been have you been tested for cocaine? Are you a junkie? I didn't make that. He really said these things. Same guy who said he had hairy legs. Anyway, so Joe Biden is, to me, bringing America. I mean, he's like a new FDR. I think he wants to be more radical than FBR, the FDR. They're saying he is you know, um, poised to be the most progressive. I really don't like this word progressive because it, it sounds good in so many ways. And it's so bad in every way, in every single way. There's nothing good about progressive politics. Somebody the other day said, Rich, why do you hate all Democrats? I said, I don't hate a single Democrat. What I hate are progressive politics because they don't push anything forward that's worth being pushed forward. And they push the American people further and further backward. You tell me, this re-engineering, re-imagining of the American dream, is this going to help people in the future? Is this going to help people with their own families? Is this going to help America to remain strong? Is this going to help us to be the industry leader? 
Does it surprise you that a not progressive, right? Or we call it unprogressive, whatever the term you want to use. I'm going to use the word conservative governing president. Donald Trump was the president that led us through the miraculous Operation Warp Speed. Now, I'm not saying this just to give credit to Trump for Warp Speed. I do that enough. I'm saying this now specifically because these advances happened because he relied on industry as well as government, realizing that government alone can't and shouldn't be in charge of this. You know, the other day somebody called here and they said, Rich, uh, tell me why you say America's great again. And I went off on a tirade about why America was great, ranging from the light bulb to the telephone and every other innovative milestone that America's checked off along the way. And this isn't an insult on any country, not, not any country. But you tell me, was air conditioning created in, you fill in the blank country, so I don't offend anybody. You could offend them, not me. That's my point. All of the innovation happens here because of all of the evil capitalist stuff people teach about. America is so terrible and evil that we, we happen to be the, the country that pollutes the least. America is so evil that we're the country that developed the vaccine for the world. Somebody was yelling at me the other day on the phone saying, oh, and it was a global clinical trial. And I was like, dude, you're beyond dumb, beyond dumb. This isn't just mistaken. This is willful ignorance. This is stick your head in the sand to not read three or four articles on the Internet, which is free everywhere. I mean, you can go to the library and get the Internet. Yes, there were global clinical trials. Yes, AstraZeneca started a vaccine trial somewhere else. And guess what? 40 some odd people died. And now they're saying they might have cooked the books. I'm not saying that they did. But I'm just saying it didn't happen here in America because we have different standards. People want to beat up the FDA. And I'm not saying anybody's perfect. But one thing everybody that I've spoken to on either side of the aisle. Now, this this is now both of the previous ashes, the Assistant Secretary for Health. So that's uh, Admiral Dr. Hoxel Garcia and Admiral Dr. Brett Giroir. Both have indicated this is second to none. Like, really, nobody comes in second place to the United States in, in terms of how we get it right. Now, I guess that's debatable for some people, but both the Democrats and Republicans agree on that point. I think most people realize when you meet a Canadian and a Canadian tells you that they know someone or that they themselves have snuck across the border into the United States, guess what? It wasn't for a job in most cases, although it could be. It was for medical care because they went to their socialist Canadian medical care and said, oh my gosh, I have a problem with my heart. And they said, yes, it's a six-month wait through the health service here in Canada. Stand by. And they said, I can't stand by because I'll drop dead of the freaking illness before I see a doctor. So they sneak into America and walk into an ER, something that a homeless person in America has the right to do. Wow, isn't that awesome? The rights that you have in America. So when we look at a headline, it says Biden's 
putting $3 trillion into infrastructure. Don't be misled thinking that he's going to make our infrastructure even better. Now, something I used to do was work at Project Veritas. You guys know that. I was uh, the uh, director of special operations. I was the national field director for all of the different groups and project managers that were, you know, conducting research all across America. And one of the older stories that uh, PV had worked on was something called Earth Supply and Renewal. And it was it was a parody. It was a skit. It really it was you know early in the repertoire of of James O'Keefe, aka O'Kizzle My Nizzle. And what I thought was great about this was you know it was like a man on the scene type of thing, man on the street thing. You just go places and and, and but they had a, a demonstration. And they were like, yeah, you know, and they had a banner, and it was like, we're doing we're with Earth Supply and Renewal, and uh, and they would explain. And their pitch went something like this: Well, basically, what we do is we. Um, we locate areas that need to be excavated, and at that point we do the excavation and we hire local workers and we create jobs for the local economy and we excavate these areas. And then we have to renew the supply of fresh earth into these excavated areas by resupplying that with new fresh earth. And we go ahead and then use that same labor force that we've uh, uh compiled here in the area and fill these excavated areas. And that's done with a straight face. And it's done by demonstrating a guy digging a hole into the floor and then filling the hole back up with dirt. Now, you would think, what is the purpose of that? Obviously, there is no purpose to it. You're digging a hole and you're putting the dirt back in the hole. That's it. But when you put it fancy, that is what the government does. Earth supply and renewal. You dig a hole, you fill the hole. You dig the hole again. Now, maybe if you don't live in New Jersey, you don't understand this reference as well as I do, but you could drive down a perfectly paved street in New Jersey and the next day you'll go and that whole street will be broken up they will have, you know, raised it. They, they would that grooving machine, whatever it's called, where it just makes it really bumpy, and you know the raised manhole covers are now exposed, and all of this and that. And then, and they'll take another week or three to to pave the thing, you know, to fill anything, to do this, to do that. And now, so you went from perfectly good paved street to horrible street that they caused, they intended, they ripped up the asphalt, and then laid down new fresh asphalt. <laughs> What was the purpose of it? There was no purpose of it other than to hire this contractor to do the work, to get the taxpayer money, to justify that we need to fix the roads. That is how government works in New Jersey. And sadly, that is the Democrat way in so many places. I wouldn't say that was the Democrat way. I would say it's the political way. If you could show me that there's a handful of Republicans across America and these red states doing the same thing. But instead, I've never seen that. I've never seen Republicans saying, all right, so we got a bridge here. Yeah, this bridge, well, what's going on? Well, we, we checked it out structurally. It looks like it needs a couple of new uh, joists, you know, a couple of new I-beams. But this thing is as solid today as it was, you know, 100 years ago when they built it. Great upkeep, great uh, materials went into the bridge. So, yeah, you, we should, you know, two, three million bucks, and we should be able to get this thing done in a few months' time, bring it back to tip-top shape. And then they'll say, nah, 
we're going to have to knock the whole thing down and rebuild it. And when we rebuild it, oh, yeah, what we'll do is we'll name it after a former governor. And this is how politicians work. They go ahead, they knock it down, rebuild it bigger, better. They did it with the Bayonne Bridge. They did it with the, not the, uh, the one I take every day. I take this bridge every day. It's been in the news. Tappan Z, also known as the Mario Cuomo Bridge. And what's interesting is that recently they said, oh, some of the uh, the bolts that are in the joists on that bridge were messed up. And I'm thinking, all right. And then, of course, what did Governor Andrew Cuomo do? He did a cover-up on that. That, of course, we know. And that's not even talked about. And every day I, I fly through that thing now because I'm like, you know what? I don't want to get caught on this. My biggest fear with that bridge, just on an aside, anybody who's in Westchester that may be listening, I uh, I always think, why is this bridge so low to the water? Like you'd think, all right, we all know we have to get over the water, but most bridges that go over the water are like a way high above the water. Not the tap. The tap is really low. Like on a windy day, I could see the water like, you know, a little wave coming up, pushing the cars to one side. Not not good. So I don't really like taking that bridge, but whatever. You know, you live and, and you learn. And that's exactly why I take it, of course, because it is $4.50 versus the 16 bucks that would save me probably eight or nine minutes on my ride. But the uh, George Washington Bridge, America's founding father, Patriot General George Washington Bridge, of course, they get you, man. They get in your pocket. Well, anyway, um, I want to get into a couple of more topics. But first, I want to wrap up with this Biden and his... Um, and his one, two, three trillion dollar. So this is in Breitbart. And the report says that Team Biden spending three trillion in infrastructure, climate and welfare. President Joe Biden and the White House team is drafting a massive three trillion dollar bill. Man, just hearing that, it's just like, wow. Now, only a trillion of the proposal would be spent on actual infrastructure priorities. <laughs> it's hard to even read this stuff. All right, so we're spending $3 trillion on infrastructure. Well, only a, a, a trillion goes into that. The rest will go into other things, like wind and solar power. It's like, again, I get stupefied by this stuff because... We don't, don't we remember Solyndra and that big drama from the Obama administration and how it was, it was a bad move. And yet here he is, and let's go right back into solar and wind and other schemes like that. This is just, uh, stupid. Yeah, you know, honestly, you know what? You want to talk about socialism and how you can get me on board? You would get me on board real quick if you said, hey, raise your hand if you are a black and Latino. I would even uh, allow all races to be involved in this. All races. If you're if you are in a school district that you don't like and you want to go to the best private school in your area, the government will give you the money for your kid to go to school. You know what? That type of school voucher program, I would be on board for that type of socialism where the government gives you money for school. Oh, yeah, I would. But they never bring stuff like that to the table that can help people to move forward in life. So you can say, oh, you know what? I grew up in the absolute worst part of the Bronx, the worst part of Brooklyn, the worst part of any borough. And 
can you help me? Can you help me so that my kid can go to the same schools that the congressmen and the senators and, and the um, all the big wigs and muckety mucks where they send their kids? Because their kids don't go to my school. I just want to make that really clear. Their kids don't go to school with my kids. That never happens. But when it comes to solar and wind and all this other crap, they're always on board. Bloomberg News reports that Biden's team is planning $400 billion in green spending. Now, if we stop right there and we think, what the heck is green spending? I'll tell you what it is. That would be like a Republican president taking office and saying, we are going to spend $400 billion in security spending. Now, by security, I don't mean building bombs and and uh, different types of de- defense weaponry that would help defend America. No. What I'm talking about is just handing out money to the people that I think we should. Everybody should own a gun. Therefore, the government's giving you money to go buy a gun. Oh, my gosh. Would we be up in arms if that were the case? That kind of socialism isn't allowed here. Right. Hey, we have a gun. Forget the gun buy back. We've got a gun buy program. How about a gun buy program? Fill this out and we will send you a thousand bucks so you can buy a brand new Glock 9. Oh, no, that'll never happen. What? It's a constitutionally defended right, right? It's protected. It's guaranteed to me. Never in a million years. Right? It, it just wouldn't happen. Because, no, we don't really believe in our rights where we would put our money where our mouth is. But it's okay to do it in the name of the Green New Deal because... Well, because some people chose to live in areas that are not healthy. And then their kids are not healthy. And that's bad. And if people are lying about it, they should be punished. But this doesn't mean we need green spending. We're not going to eliminate every smokestack industry in America. We're not going to destroy America and how America has made its, its way, the Industrial Revolution. Did you ever notice that Twitter wasn't launched or invented or grown in China? You ever notice that Apple Computer, other than starting to build a bunch of their phones there, was never run out of Beijing? Nope. That one's in New Jersey. I mean, um, that one's in the United States as well. Not New Jersey, but in the United States. The West Coast. The West Coast of the United States is where all of this great tech boom is happening as of late. Texas, too. Right, Michael Dell, I believe he started in a uh, garage in Texas. When you look at that and you think, man, if this socialism stuff is all it's cracked up to be, well, then we probably should be on board with it. But it's not because in principle, it's ineffective and it's just not something that actually works. And they prostitute these different policy positions to tug at the heartstrings of people that actually give a damn about life and about humanity and about people and the world we live in. So, yeah, it makes sense to me when someone says the world's going to end in 12 years. Do what I say, you know, your money or your life. I understand why people respond to that type of demagoguery, but it still doesn't make that kind of demagoguery right or any really for that matter. So when I say, oh, my gosh, we're losing our liberty. We are. We are losing our liberty. You've heard references made to the wild, wild west. 
back when everybody carried a gun on their hip and there was like one county sheriff, a jail cell that fit one or two people. Because an armed society is a polite society. But somehow you'll be led to believe that somehow guns get up by themselves and go kill people. If there's anything that's on the rise, it's not gun violence. It's locura. Mental health crises are spinning out of control. What the cause of them is, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. I would say the culture has a big part to do with it. I would say what content drives the media has another, um, you know, is, is an active component in it. I would also say that different types of entertainment that we have has really changed, even from my era. And I'm, I'm not that old, but I, I was old enough to have older. I'm old enough and I have older siblings where the stuff that we watched on TV, like literally two hands on your chin, you laying on your stomach glued to the TV screen as a kid, the Cosby show, Little House on the Prairie reruns, um, Family Matters with Urkel. These these are shows that uh, Full House. I watched these shows. Saved by the Bell. These these were the 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 things that I was interested in back then. As a teenager, MTV The Grind, MTV Cribs. The Grind was probably the most risque because they had girls and g strings. But that was really it. Video Music Box on Channel Thirty One because we didn't have cable. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Ralph McDaniel's is the guy. VJ Ralph McDaniel's. The point of all of that is to say there was not an overarching theme of hypersexuality, of of being grotesque in one's sexuality, of that being acceptable. It was normal. Matter of fact, and as a little kid, my mom and my grandma liked I Love Lucy. So guess what? I, lo- I watched a lot of I Love Lucy, Gilligan's Island, uh, shows like that that were just happened to be on TV. And they didn't send a political message. The most provocative thing on Gilligan's Island was the redheaded woman named Ginger that wore, you know, a form-fitting dress. And it was like, oh, snap, shorty. So compared with today, where we have talent like Cardi B making her fortune on her life experience, which is in many ways a rags-to-riches experience that includes drugging men, robbing men, um, exotic dancing which I don't hold against her per se. I just think that it's rags to riches, not rags to riches, back to rags. You know, let's let's clean up the act a little bit and not glorify so much of the nastiness. But that's just my advice, my critique. It doesn't mean I don't think she has talent. It doesn't, I, I don't think, I saw some of the comments on the Cardi versus Candace podcast that I did. And if you missed that on This Is America with Rich Valdez, check it out wherever you get your podcast. But Some of the people were saying she's trash, she's this. I think she speaks about trashy things. I wouldn't say that she in and of herself is trash. I think, in fact, out of all of the people out there in hip-hop land, she's the one that decides to go on her Instagram rants and say, I want to know what y'all N-words bleep. What the bleep are y'all doing with my money? What are you doing with my money? What you doing with my money? (laughs) And if you haven't heard that clip, maybe we'll play it later. But it's funny. She's questioning taxes. She sat down with Bernie Sanders and she said, this whole Medicare for all, your critics say, this would drastically and dramatically increase taxes. 
She said that. So I think I'm not I'm not team Cardi for president. I'm not. But I'm saying she is married, faces challenges, but remains married, brought a child into this life, didn't deny having a child, didn't say it's my right to choose. So I'm going to abort this. No, she didn't do that either. She has a kid. She loves her kid from, you know, by all accounts. I haven't seen her not love her kid. Maybe she makes different choices than us. Um, but, you know, she even in, in, in the Cardi Candace thing, she even went out to say parents, only you can be sure of what your kids watch online. So saying, you know, parents have to be parents and that she should be able to create adult entertainment, which is how I consider her. So my point in all of that is it's not a defense of Cardi. It's really in saying she literally embodies the American dream and is pro-family values. She seems to not want to pay these taxes to the government. Unlike a lot of her mindless sheep leftist friends that are like, yeah, hell yeah, more taxes, tax the rich, mofos. No, man. I think fair tax is the way to go. But anyway, all of that was in response to this bill. And it, we haven't even gotten through half of this article because it's it's just filled with so much uh, nonsense. But that that's where they want to put $400 into the Green New Deal. So don't move a muscle because we're just getting started. So keep it locked right there. Don't make a move. I'm Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here. And it looks like they want to reimagine. They want to reimagine the way we do border security. They want to reimagine the way reparations are handled. They want to reimagine the way that you and I live as Americans. And that's what we're going to get into, this immigration stuff, because there's a lot of it. And I think you got two two fronts. A, immigration as a whole. People are coming into the United States right now. Then you have immigration part B, the reporters. They're not reporting. Now we're finding out it's because, you know, obviously they're not allowed to report that much because A, the Biden administration isn't giving them that access and B their corporate overlords are probably telling them, don't do this or do that, or you won't have a job. And we know that's the thing. My former colleague, uh, informed me about this all the time. So what I want to talk about now is what's happening at the border. Now I want you to listen to this audio clip because, uh, to me, College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. The whole thing is out of control. Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president? Definitely not. Definitely we had the chance, you know, the, the same violence that's going on today was there last year. We used to watch the, the news and uh, 
I definitely won't do this. So did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? Basically. Basically. Uh, the main thing was the violence in my country. And the second thing, I, I think, was Joe Biden. I, you know, uh, it's like a letting up my hope. So there you have it, right from the mouth of a migrant. He's admitting to coming across the border right now from Brazil because it's Biden that's in office, not Trump. And he knows that Biden, not Trump, is enforcing nothing at the border. Biden is doing nada. Now, what's interesting is Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security under President Trump, 10, he says that no, 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 no. President Trump dismantled the entire immigration process. Yet it seems that Biden's the one with the border crisis. How you figure? Check this out. The Biden administration, though, is, as you mentioned, now allowing unaccompanied children into the U.S., different from the Trump administration. But clearly, you don't have the infrastructure to handle this many children right now. As I mentioned, more than 600 children have been in border uh, protection custody for more than 10 days, far longer than is acceptable uh, and allowed by law. That's three days. So did you change the policy too quickly without having the infrastructure in place to take care of these children? Uh, Dana, uh, we uh, will not uh, abandon our values. So he's not going to abandon his values, but he'll abandon his country. Holy, holy, you fill in the word. Because let me tell you, this is bad. Have you seen the pictures coming out of there? I think the New York Times put out an image that's been circulated all over the place now. And uh, it's on the cover, front page, WABCradio.com. Let me tell you, this is... Uh, horrific imagery that's recent let me describe it to you if you haven't seen it. i mean you've seen it i'll tweet this out in a second they're in the tinfoil blanket now again the tinfoil blanket may have a, a bad aesthetic but it's probably actually very warm but the point is social distancing everybody's on top of each other they're in there like sardines looks like a tent i don't know what to say this shouldn't be happening and under trump it wasn't happening they kids in cages, kids in cages. We all know that was a lie, right? Trump had developed these like two family homes and whatnot that had board games and beds and bunk beds and had them like separated so that they could not separated from their families. That that's nor, normal part and process of this, but a home like setting. And they weren't over capacity because he was doing his job. He tried to fix things. And again, I hate to always turn this into the, the pro Trump hour. Not that I have anything against Trump, because to me, it's Trump stands for the principles that I stand for. He puts America first. And I think that's what we have to do. And you have to use common sense and sometimes a little business savvy to get that done. But he goes after the problems. He doesn't go after people per se. He will. But mainly he goes after problems. And that's what we have to do. We have to attack the issue, not the people. People aren't the issue. I'm not mad at any child in this photo. I have no animosity towards any of them. I feel badly that they're in that position, and I can't help but look look at them and think, you know, I have children. My children could have been in this position. Now, if you're thinking, well, that's up to you, Rich, if you're going to send your kids across the border without your son. Listen, I, I don't plan on ever sending my kids anywhere. I wouldn't so much as send them to the bodega across the street without, you know, uh, until they were like 12 or 13, and I would hang out on my front 
porch, you know, watching to make sure they're okay. And I live in a really nice neighborhood. So that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying we can't stop bad things from happening across the world, but we could try to stop bad things from happening across the world and ending up in the United States. These children are not the bad thing I'm talking about. But whatever violence that they're fleeing, whatever issue it is, whether it's I just want to go to America and I paid off a coyote to to come to the United States, whatever it is. The issue is not the illegal immigrant. The issue is not their child. The issue is our country's failure to secure the border. And at this point in life, our country is led by Joe Biden. Joe El Baboso Biden, as I like to call him. It's his failure. That is top of mind for me. It's Joe Biden's willful ignorance, turning a blind eye, going to sleep early and waking up late. Not a care in the world about the border. That's what's happening. But we also have Peter Ducey. Now, Peter Ducey is at a press briefing with Jen Pasirko back Pasaki, silent P, of course. And Jen Pasaki in another expert uh, obfuscation of question answering. She responds to Mr. Ducey in, in a really interesting way, but he basically asks if it's okay to stuff 400 kids into a space that's built for 260. Listen to this. So what is his concern about this being a super spreader event where you've got 400 but uh, kids stuffed into a pod built for 260. These kids are tested. Uh, if they need to be quarantined, they are quarantined. We also follow CDC guidelines to ensure that they are kept safe. One of the reasons that it took us some time to uh, have some of these facilities or some of the shelters open to larger groups of kids is because we wanted to follow those CDC guidelines. So we certainly don't see it through that prism. We actually took the steps we did to keep these kids safe. But where else in the country would it be okay to have 400 people in a space for 260 during the pandemic? Well, again, Peter, our, we're closely following the CDC guidelines. That's why we're opening up additional facilities, why they've been at limited capacity in a number of these shelters. But if I may, I don't know that there are CDC guidelines that say you can be open. For the sh- are you talking about the shelters or are you talking about the Border the Patrol? Border Patrol facility. Apologies, I was misunderstanding yeah. your question. Yes. Look, I, I think our objective is to move. This is one of the reasons this is such a focus every single day for the president and this administration. We want to move these kids as quickly as possible through these facilities and into the shelters where they where there is safe spacing and then move them into homes where there is safe spacing. Okay. Now this one, this is a, a new level. We've now figured out when she's not, let me get back to you with the facts and uh, we're going to have to circle back. And right now we're not speaking about specifics. We're not talking about her new go-to is when she's absolutely cornered. Oh, I apologize. I misunderstood your question. Jan Pasaki, when you're circling back, is your hair actually red? Well, no, it's not. But it looks red to me. Well, oh, you're talking about my hair. Oh, I understand. I misunderstood. I thought you were talking about my hair. Uh, and this is how Jen Pasirko back Pasaki. So number, her, her number one line of uh, defense is we don't have the facts uh, or those aren't all the facts. That's not our department. It's not my yeb, basically. But uh, now we now know she will apologize for misunderstanding your question. 
Because, you know, that's her new way of circling back. She goes on, Jen back Pasaki. She doesn't stop there. She gets into it with another reporter. And this time it's over the treatment of the illegal aliens in the facilities where it apparently you're allowed to ignore CDC protocols and put all these, you know, 400 people in a space built for 260 and that's okay because we're following the guidelines per Pasaki, but we're not following the guidelines there. I didn't understand what you meant by that, right? We're moving from that to, well, we, I think we treat both the National Guard and the migrant children equally as bad. Check this out. Also, you are opening up new facilities. One of the options that's being reported over the weekend is spending $86 million on hotel rooms for some migrants and feeding them. Um, how do you square that with the National Guard troops who were sleeping in parking garages and, you know, some of them got sick from having contaminated food? That's a disparity a lot of people are pointing out, that our National Guard was treated one way and then illegal immigrants are going to be put in hotel rooms. Well, first let me say that um, at the time when we became aware of the conditions, National Guard troops were... Um, in in, in uh, parking garages, as you noted, uh, the president called the head of the National Guard that day and offered his assistance, offered to uh, play any role that he could play, boosting morale, asking for more aid, making sure they had the right, uh, were treated in the way that they deserved for the incredible role they've played. So uh, I know that was some time ago, but that was the reaction he took at the time. was the reaction he took at the time, the reaction he took at the time. Listen, here's what I got to say about this. Jen back Pasaki is really full of it, and she's not even able to dig herself out of it anymore. She's doing a bad job. Not even her friends in the leftist media are buying her, her uh, malarkey, if you will, to quote Joe Biden. But just as we heard um, Secretary Mayorkas say, we have no plans to allow people to the border because we're going to hold on to our values and we're not going to abandon people. Instead, we're going to abandon the country. Now you have Jen back pasaki saying, you know what? We're really considering it. We're really considering the media to have access. Uh, something that happened in the Trump administration that's pointed out by none other than Andrea Mitchell. And we'll get to that in a second. But I want you to hear Jen back pasaki um, you know, give her answer to operating in the spirit of transparency. In the spirit of transparency mm-hmm. to rebuild public trust, when will reporters be allowed to tour facilities holding children who cross the southern border? And are there any concerns that the images from those tours might show that there's a crisis? Well, first, um, we are working to finalize uh, details, and I hope to have an update in the coming days. Uh, we are working through with uh, the Department of Health and Human Services and also the Department of Homeland Security to ensure uh, privacy and ensure we're following COVID protocols. We remain committed to transparency. And, of course, as I noted last week, we certainly want to make sure that uh, the media has access uh, to uh, these uh, sites. Okay. I don't think anybody bought that. But... That's fine. Yeah, we're considering it. Maybe, maybe, as we know, the New York Times already got in. And honestly, kudos to the New York Times for putting that picture out there so you could see what's actually happening at the border. Because that was not happening under Trump. The last photos we saw of people with aluminum foil blankets, yep, you got it right. That was happening under the Obama administration. It was an old pick from 2014, 2015 
when they were having that drama at the border, unaccompanied minors, they used an old picture and started saying that Trump had kids in cages. That's how the whole thing happened. But Trump didn't have kids in cages. And that's the reality of it. And that's been debunked, I don't know, a million and 17 times. Yet people still think whenever they see the kids with the chain link fence sleeping in their uh, aluminum foil blanket, that that is how Trump had them. And that is a false hood uh, of the highest degree of falsehoods. But that's what happened there. Now, Andrea Mitchell, now she um, is a reporter. She's been a reporter for a long time. She um, used to be on the prehistoric beat, you know, reporting on what T-Rex and and the bronchiosaurus had to say. But she uh, she's been at it for a long time. And she says that even during the Trump administration, dun, 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 reporters had access to the border. Check it out. Congressman, uh, finally, what about press access? Even the Trump administration let reporters in on you know, supervised tours. Uh, how do you justify not permitting the news media so that we're relying on, on bootleg photos? Well, uh, from my perspective, one who's been uh, someone involved in openness in government, uh, I'm sure this administration will work on press access. Uh, One way you can resolve some of the challenges is by letting the public know. So I am certain uh, before the week's out, press will have access. If not, it will be a problem. Well, hell yeah, it's going to be a problem. The leftist media will only be your friend if you're a leftist if you let them in on the scoop. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. How do you think these guys got all the power they did in Washington? How did the press get so powerful to begin with? They were in cahoots. They don't call it strange bedfellows for nothing. The media has made itself, it's ingratiated itself with the political structure in Washington for a long time so that the media can, in effect, be its own deep state. The media can turn to a politician and say, if you don't do X, Y, and Z, if you don't tell me what you're doing on your committee, if you don't do this and this and that, we can destroy you because we have the power to reach the people like you only wish you had, like you pay for little bits and pieces of every October and November when it's election time, buying ads on our network, buying ads in our papers. That is how the media has positioned itself. However, I can tell you this, that some brave soul left New York City, went to Washington and said to them right in their face, wrong, you're fake news, and began to stem the tide. So, when you have a brave politician who's not a politician but is one because he runs for office one time in his life and becomes president, when you have such a politician like Trump who does that, what you get is now people become emboldened with liberty. People are emboldened with liberty again. People realize that it is we, the people, that are able to do these things that we were once not able to do. Are we supposed to be in fear and cower to liberty? 
Should we beg for our rights or should we stand up bravely and take them because they're ours to begin with? Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez here. Rich Valdez with an S on all social media. Make sure you check us out. And thank you so much for the reviews. Got some amazing reviews that just came in today on the weekly report. Really a pleasure to see those pop in. And uh, nice to see that we went up 18 points in the chart on the Apple News politics chart. Some of the reviews that just came in, three, four, we got three five-star reviews. Uh, Richie V with an S, love you, brother. Thank you. That's from PCB Dave in the United States. And we got a comment from Rocky Ben. He says, great program, hermano. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And Sarah Bell in Minnesota, she says, I found Rich... Uh, on the radio, love listening to Rich Valdez. He says what so many of us are thinking. It's comforting to know that there are people like him that have worked in government and are out there fighting for our country. Great show. I love Rich. Thank you, Sarah Bell. Love you, too. Thank you for listening and dropping a comment on the Apple podcast uh, chart or whatever it is, wherever you dropped your comment, probably on Apple podcasts. And uh, thankful to be in the top 200 of the most listened to podcasts in all of the Apple news and politics subchart. So thank you for that, America. Thanks so much of you for doing that, subscribing, sharing it with your friends. The more of that we do, the better we do, and the more people we reach. Now, reimagining reparations. Now, there is a story that I saw on WABCradio.com, and it was an interesting story because it had to do with reparations. And I had it up. It's not up anymore, but we grabbed some audio from it because there's a tweet embedded in the article. And part of what I want to discuss here is how the first swing at reparations is indeed in effect. And what I mean by that is in Illinois, they're taking action. They're taking action and it's something that we haven't seen in a while. But one activist whose name is... Dreesen Heath, I didn't want to mispronounce that. Dreesen Heath did a short video that went on Twitter for an organization named Human Rights Watch, who um, I have um, seen from time to time. I don't necessarily usually support a lot of what they do because oftentimes they're talking about human rights, but they're usually on the wrong side of it. They, uh, they kind of selectively attack certain people for human rights and give a pass to others. But anyway, the premise here is that Dreesen Heath was going to testify before Congress. And I have a couple of clips that I want to play for you from this Twitter video that went out. And I want you to hear the first one. Check this out. There's a lot of pressure to be a black woman in this space, to be a younger person in this space, pushing the boundaries. So even the writing process is just like, how can I make a compelling argument? It's also a painful feeling to talk about your history, to talk about, you know, even familial history that I don't even totally know myself. I know I'm a descendant of slaves, but I haven't been able to connect all the dots. So that's Dreesen Heath again. She is from Human Rights Watch. And that is from a tweet that's embedded into an article on WABCradio.com, a piece by Ray Ray Mundy 
who uh, is my board operator on the Rich Valdez show from time to time, Mondays, Tuesdays, namely. Now, in Evanston, Illinois, this has become the first city in the United States to make reparations available to black residents for past discrimination and for the lingering effects of slavery. The Chicago Suburbs City Council voted 8-1 to Monday to distribute $400,000 to eligible black households. Each qualifying household would receive $25,000 for home repairs or down payments on property. The program is being funded through donations and a 3% tax on the sale of recreational marijuana. However, there is a fairly difficult and complicated qualifying process, according to city council members. Residents must enter, excuse me, the, they must enter to be, you know, qualified in the program and they have to have lived or been a direct descendant of a black person who lived in Evanston, Illinois, between 1919 and 1969. That makes some sense. And who suffered discrimination in housing because of Sydney ordinances, ordinances, policies, or practices. Now, let me tell you, that's something I think is key in a situation like this. Because, yes, Jim Crow happened in the 50s. It sure did. And there were things leading up to that. So I think that time frame of 1919, not 1619, but 1919, to 1969 is fair. And if you can, uh, you know, prove that you are so-and-so, then it is a custom of our law and our practice. If I hit the lotto, lose the damn lottery ticket, but it's in my name, let's just say, and my kid finds it because God forbid something's happened to me, she can take the ticket and say, my dad won a gazillion dollars and I want my dad's gazillion dollars. I'm his next of kin. That's how that works. So I'm not defending anything other than our system of laws. So I think it makes sense that if you can prove to the city of Evanston, Illinois, that you are a direct descendant to someone that, you know, was a victim of, you know, meaning here's the letter from the bank saying, sorry, Mr. So-and-so, you have been denied a mortgage from the bank of Evanston dated October 4th, 1950, then you bring that and say, I, I'm in effect suing you. And they're saying, no, it's part of a settlement. This is our settlement fund. If this is the way they want to go about reparations, I'm actually okay with that because now you can prove that this was directly done to you. And this doesn't mean, listen, I was born in 1989 and I think that because I'm black and brown, I'm woke and you owe me money. I think you're stupid. Get out of my face. That's not going to happen. But if you have a legitimate gripe and legitimate proof, and you can prove that my great-grandfather lived in Evanston, Illinois, and I like the fact that it's not some big federal thing like the 9-11 Superfund, but it's actually one of these things that it's direct in this place. Great. Excellent. Excellent. And where are they getting the money? From recreational marijuana. Now, I'm going to get back to that woman, Miss Heath, because I think there's more that she had to say that I think is interesting here. But what what I find interesting is the recreational marijuana stuff. I remember this thing coming out a couple of years ago, and we spoke about it on This Is America. It was a lot of black and Hispanic entrepreneurs that got involved in selling marijuana on the open market in Illinois. And they were the ones saying, listen, this is not cool. No bueno, my friend. (laughs) 
I, I'm trying to make money in this industry and you're hurting me by not allowing it to move forward and whatnot. So this 3% additional tax on an industry that is um, at least ha- um, significantly represented by blacks and Hispanics, I think is uh, it, it could be a little bit of a catch 22 because, you know, now you're you're getting the money from the exact the same population of people, which whatever, I, that's just an argument that can be made. But I thought it was interesting that they were saying that a couple of years ago and now we are here where it's actually um, happening. So the reparations subcommittee of the city council was established in August of 2019. Oh, there you go. We talked about it then to determine how the city should allocate $10 million of the city's municipal cannabis retailers occupation tax for local reparations. The restorative housing program is the first in the nation and it's been developed by the reparations subcommittee focused on preserving, stabilizing and increasing home ownership, which builds intergenerational wealth among black African-American residents. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And that's good. Now, we're going to get back to um, Dresden Heath in a moment. But I just wanted to wrap this piece up here because I think what Evanston, Illinois is doing is, uh, again, if we're going to have reparations, they're going to have to be that way. That's been the biggest criticism we've had throughout where they've said we must be able to prove that these people are direct, uh, directly impacted by redlining, directly impacted by slavery in some way or whatever the, the, the categories were. And, and I think this is a, a step in the right direction to do such a program. We could go on and on with this stuff. It doesn't end here. This is why we're here three times a week doing this with you. Three short segments to just give you the, the, the best commentary that I can on these issues. But really, it's up to you to, to, to do the legwork, to go out there and bring more people to, to the fold, because we can only move forward when we have people that know the facts, that know the truth, that can move forward in reality. And that's why I say you got to stand for something, because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And, and that's Hamilton, the words of Sir Edmund Burke, Lord Acton and others, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to do nothing. So don't be a do-nothing, be a do-something, be an American patriot that stands up for their country, that believes in the free markets in a way for you to earn and create money and wealth. That is what truly makes us free. You don't need the government when you got your own money. Trust me. And I don't mean that from having my own money. I'm just saying you just don't. Look at the history. If you don't trust me, do your research. You'll see. Ice Cube said it best just recently. Having money allows you into a different conversation. You don't need the government when you got your own money. Until the next one, America. Hasta la próxima. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer.